0: What's happening, good people? Welcome back to What's True for Everybody. This is a special spring break edition because it is officially spring break where I live, and my kids are pumped. Corey and I are pumped. We've been spending time outside this weekend. Uh, spent some time up in the mountains this weekend, and man, ref- it's, I'm refreshed. I'm recharged. I'm ready to go. I read a I'm reading a book and and. The author said uh, sometime when I was reading last week, he said, it is impossible to be connected to the spirit if you're not connected to creation. And I think that's true. And it doesn't have to be mountains. It can be anything. It can be uh, snow, rain, wind, (laughs) whatever. Um, So we spent time in creation. And it's spring break. And this experience has nothing to do with what I just said or spring break, but that's just what I was excited about today. So there you go. Here we go. Experience 15. This is called As Water Reflects the Face. As Water Reflects the Face. And this experience was it kind of birthed out of an article I read about the CEO of Charles Schwab. The CEO of Charles Schwab is a guy named Walt Bettinger, and I, I just stumbled across an article about him, uh, and then I had to read a couple more about him and what I'm about to talk about because it was so interesting to me, and here's what Walt Bettinger did, and here's what he talked about. When Walt Bettinger is going to hire someone for like, well, maybe any position, but particularly upper kind of management positions at, at, C, uh, at Charles Schwab. This is what he'll do with perspective employees, And he does this to gauge how people will react in a curveball type situation that that he throws at them. And this happens to be at a breakfast interview. So before he hires someone, he takes them out for a breakfast interview. But Walt will go to the breakfast place early and he will ask the staff, the waiter, the waitress, the cook, whoever he needs to talk to, he will ask them to make some kind of mistake to the candidate's order. Um, and Walt says, don't worry, I, I, I give the place a generous tip, which I read that and thought, man, if, if I could get great tips for messing up orders, I would have become a waiter a long time ago. I can do that. I can mess up orders. Anyway, here's what Walt does. The, the messed up order will come and he will gauge the candidate's reaction. He will gauge how they handle the unexpected. He'll gauge what they say and what they do or what they don't do to see their actual character. Because as we all know, our true character is revealed when we experience the unexpected or adversity or pressure or distress, or when things don't go according to plan, right? You've had those times where things didn't go according to plan and there were certain things that slipped out of your mouth or certain things that you did after and you're like, oh, I don't want that to be a part of who I am. And there's other times when things didn't go according to plan and you said some things and you acted in ways and you thought, oh, I'm pretty proud of, of, of reacting like that when that happened. We've all experienced this both ways, right? Um, but then Walt said in an interview, like when he's gauging the reactions, he's thinking, are they upset? Are they frustrated? Or are they understanding? He says, because life is like that, and business is like that. There's going to be times where there's pressure, distress, things happen that aren't expected, things happen that are disappointing. And Walt also said this, he said, we're all going to make mistakes. The question is, how are we going to recover when we make them? And are we going to be respectful to others when they make them? Man, that's a good question. We could do a whole podcast experience on that question. Think about it we're all going to make mistakes. The question is, how are we going to recover when we make them? How do you recover when you make mistakes? And and are we going to be respectful to others when they make them? How do you respond when others make mistakes and you're affected by them? But there's more. Walt, at the interview, he will also ask the candidates to explain their biggest successes in life. Um, and while this question has absolutely nothing to do with the actual job that they'd be doing, he asked this question to get an idea of how they see the world. He said, uh, what I'm looking for is whether their view of the world really re- revolves around others or whether it revolves around them. Then Walt will ask the candidate to describe their greatest failures in life. And when the candidates answer this question, what Walt wants to see is, if they are owning their failures and their shortcomings or whatever it was, or if they put the blame on somebody else. And then Walt has this line about his interview tactics tactics and his interview questions. He says this, it's just another way to look inside their heart rather than their head. Yeah, it's just another way to look inside their heart rather than their head. Ah yes, the heart. What is the heart? And how how did ancient god followers think about and view the heart? And this gets interesting. In general, for the ancient god followers, the heart was considered the center or the middle of things. The heart was the thing that everything else revolved around and surrounded. Uh, For instance, there's this passage in Deuteronomy chapter four, Old Testament. Moses is urging God's people to obey God. And this is uh, from the New American Standard Version. Moses says this to, to God's people. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain and the mountain burned with fire to the very heart of the heavens. Now, what's Moses saying? Is this, is this literal? Do the heavens have a material heart that Moses is talking about? Or is this Moses referring to what is going on in the center or at the middle or in the essence of these people's experience with the God who loves them and wants them to obey him? Yeah, for the ancient godfathers, the heart was considered the center or the middle of things. It was the thing that everything else revolved around and surrounded. The the ancients, they didn't seem as concerned about the heart as an organ. They didn't talk about that as much, at least in the scriptures. References to to the heart as a physical organ um, are extremely rare in the Old Testament. I mean, it's there. Here's an example. 1 Samuel chapter 25. This is verse 37. Scripture says this, then in the morning, when, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him all these things and his heart failed him and he became like a stone. So it does happen. They do talk about the heart as a physical organ, um, but not nearly, not even close to as often as referring to heart, to the heart as, as the essence or the middle or the center of things. By the way, that story in 1 Samuel 25, it's an interesting one. You can read that. Um, this week, if you're interested in that, it has to do with David, by the way. So, when the Hebrews used the word heart, here's what we're getting at. Uh, they thought, and they were, referring to, they were referring to the whole human being and the whole human personality with all of its physical and intellectual and psychological attributes, everything going on. The heart was considered the governing center of it all. Therefore, it was the heart or the core Which made and identified a person. So when you get to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, this is also in the Old Testament, when the writer says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. What is the writer saying when he writes this? Now, if, you, if you're a guy and you grew up going to church camp, uh, you may have been told that this verse means you shouldn't look at pretty girls for too long. <laughs> oh, you think that girl's pretty? Uh, guard your heart, man. Bounce your eyes. Don't, don't look at her too long. Now, I, I kind of joke and, and make fun of it, but perhaps something like that can be part of, of this idea. But this verse, the scripture, uh, oftentimes we're not, taught just how deep the scripture runs. We, we take it at a surface level to guard your heart is to do everything you can to make sure that your body, your mind, your soul, your character, your personality, your emotions, your will are at their best. And why does this matter? It matters because your heart is the center of things. It's the middle of things and everything you do flows from it. At one point, in the Gospels, the resurrected Jesus, he appears to two disciples and the two disciples are walking on, we're told, the road to Emmaus. And Jesus appears and starts talking to them. And these two, they don't recognize Jesus. And so at one point, they sit down and Jesus breaks bread and he takes bread, he gives thanks, he breaks it, and he begins to give it to these two guys. And we're told, then their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus and then Jesus disappeared from their sight. It's kind of happen. That seems like that's how it happens sometimes, right? Like you finally see, oh, I see Jesus. What's he's doing here? And then it's like disappear, like unpredictable. Uh, but then Mark writes this: these two guys. Then they asked each other, "Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us?" Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Now, when these two guys ask this question, were not our hearts burning within us, are they talking about the heartburn they're experiencing from the hot sauce they put on their chicken before they met up with Jesus? Probably not. Or are they talking about how when Jesus was talking to them and teaching them and opening the scriptures to them, Their entire being knew somehow that something meaningful was happening to them. Yeah, think about the last time you heard someone say the words, my heart hurts. Chances are they weren't talking about chest pains that they were having and how they should probably get it checked out by a doctor. They weren't talking about the physical material heart they have in their bodies. Chances are they were talking about the pain they were experiencing because of what has just happened in their life. Why? Because the heart is the center. It's the middle of things. It's a reference to their heart being the center of things. Now, let's go to a story in Matthew chapter 12 and see how Jesus uses the word heart. And here's what's going on in the story at this point in the Gospels. Uh, Jesus heals a demon-possessed man, important to remember, a demon-possessed man who was blind and who was mute. So Jesus heals this dude, and now he can both talk and see. And that's, that's good, right? Yay, Jesus. Like, Who wouldn't want to celebrate someone being healed so they can now do really basic things that the rest of us get to do, like talk and see, and things they couldn't do before? Who wouldn't be excited about that? Uh, I'll tell you who the Pharisees, these religious leaders who were much more about legalism than they were about freedom and about joy. And so these Pharisees, they begin to say that Jesus is actually getting the power to do these things and to heal from demons. Um, That's not a good move on their part because Jesus has just healed a, a demon possessed guy, which means the demons are no longer in him. Um, And these Pharisees are saying that Jesus is getting this power from who? Demons. So Jesus points out to these people that if demons were driving out fellow demons, (laughs) that's not a really strong tactic (laughs) if these demons want to reign among the people. And everyone around them said, uh, duh. (laughs) Then Jesus says this, but if it is by the spirit of God that I drive out demons, If it's not out of demons that I drive out demons, but if it is by the spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Then a verse or two later, Jesus says, whoever is not with me is against me. In other words, hey, Pharisees, guess what? The kingdom of God has come upon you. (laughs) And your words and your actions are telling me that you're not really with me and ushering in this kingdom into the world we're living in. And then Jesus says this in verse 33 to 35. This is in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus says this, make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, not a compliment. He's talking to the Pharisees, by the way. You brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Wow. So there's the obvious here. Uh, Jesus' good fruit demonstrates that he is good, even though the Pharisees attribute the good deeds to demons. And the Pharisees' words are like the worthless fruit of a worthless tree because they speak from an evil heart and their slander against Jesus and what he's doing reveals their own inner corruption. So there's the obvious side. Then there's this speech will show what's really in the heart. Casual everyday words, and we can add actions, and casual everyday actions will always reveal deep attitudes. And then there's this the things you and I have said and done yesterday or today or like an hour ago, uh, especially when something unexpected or unplanned happened, the things that you and I have said and done have shown the people around us what we really believe to be true about the world and what's really going on inside of us. Think think about how last time something unexpected, unplanned happened, the way you reacted, what you said, what you did. It's like, Our words and our actions, they pop out before we can stop them. And then that is what happens. Why? Because they're actually a part of who we are right now. C.S. Lewis would talk about how what people do when they're caught off guard is the best way to see their character. Have you ever thought about that? The best way to see someone's true character is what they do and what they say when they're caught off guard. And he talked about, he likened it to rats running and hiding when the lights are turned on in in a cellar. Uh, Because he says, if the rats know you're coming, they'll hide before you can see them. So if if we know something's coming, we, we can plan ahead. We can hide, some of us, some of who we are from people. But if you surprise these rats and you turn these lights on without telling them and you're standing in the middle of the cellar and somehow you turn the lights on, Then you can see them scurry away and then you know they're there. I mean, there are moments when the lights of our lives get turned on without us knowing it's coming. And then everyone around us can actually see inside of us. Here's the point. You and I cannot help but be consistent. What's going on in our hearts or as Jesus says, what kind of tree we are at the moment, will be revealed in one way or another. What is stored up in us can't stay in us. It's it's just not possible. Uh, Our mouth speaks what our heart is full of. Our actions do what our heart is full of. So so here's the question of the day. What are you full of? (laughs) We can take that question some interesting directions. What are you full of? But maybe we'll stick with these. Are you full of anger or hurt or greediness or lies or grudges? I mean, people people can see it. Or are you full of joy or selflessness or complimenting others or freedom or doing the hard work of being at your best? I mean, if that's the case, people can see that too. And if, if the rest of us followed you around for a week, we'd be able to answer this question for you. What are you full of? We'd be able to tell you. And if you all followed me around for a week, you'd be able to answer this question for me. What am I full of? Why? Because the heart is at the center of it all, and what we say and do proves what our hearts are full of and what they're about. This is why it's so important to guard it, to take care of it, to allow it to rest and play and work and be connected to God and be connected to others. You and I cannot help but be consistent. So here's where we get intentional. In order to take care of the center of your being, in order to take care of your heart of what's going on inside of you, what is one thing you need to start doing? What's one thing that you can start doing to, to take care of your heart, to guard what it is that's at the center of you? What's one thing where doing this, start, starting to do this, would help you be more whole and healthy Uh, as someone who is made in the image of God and who God desperately loves? What's one thing you need to start doing? Second, what is one thing you need to stop doing? What is one thing that you're involved with or that you're doing that you realize, okay, this, this thing, it's not allowing me to be my best self. And it's actually being proven by how this thing makes me speak or act. It's proven that this thing isn't allowing me to be my best self because of how I react when I'm engaged in it, when I'm doing it, whatever it is. What's one thing you need to stop doing in order to take care of your heart? And then third, what's one thing you need to keep doing? What's one thing where you're like, I'm I'm already doing this and it's going well for me. I I like who I am when I'm doing this or when I'm, I'm engaged in it. It's allowing me to benefit others and it's actually connecting me to God in a really meaningful way. What's one thing you need to start doing, what's one thing you need to stop doing, and what's one thing you need to keep doing? And answering these three questions, what is it that will actually help you when something unexpected, when something unplanned happens to react in a way you'd be proud of? And when I ask these kinds of questions, I normally like to give you examples um, just to get your mind going. But I'm not going to this time because I want your mind to go wherever your mind needs to go with these questions without any sort of guidance, without any sort of ideas. Because here's the deal. When, we, when you ask yourself these three, these three questions, what do I need to start doing? What do I need to stop doing? What do I need to keep doing? The first things that pop into your head, pay attention to those because you're probably onto something. <laughs> the, the, the kind of knee jerk, oh, I think of this, I think of this, I think of this, those you're onto something. Why? Because your mind will instinctively tell you what your heart is full of. <laughs> That's how it works. That's what we've been talking about. And if you come up with some a thing you need to start doing, stop doing, keep doing, um, and you want to share it with the rest of us. If you listen to this on Podbean, you can comment on Podbean. If if you click the link on Facebook, you can comment on Facebook. Um just to give the rest of us encouragement and ideas of of what's going on. What do you need to start doing? What do you need to stop doing? What do you need to keep doing? Now, one more thing. There's a scripture in Proverbs, Old Testament chapter 27, verse 19, where the writer says this, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. As water reflects the face, So one's life reflects the heart. Your life is a reflection. It's a reflection of your center, of your middle, of your essence, of what's most important to you. And it turns out that you can see it, others can see it, and God can see it. What is everybody seeing in your reflection? Because you can't help but be consistent. And God created you, and God loves you, and God has given you a heart, a soul, an essence. And our job is to guard it, to take care of it. Because as water reflects the face, so our lives are going to reflect our hearts. Thank you for listening. Much love. We'll talk to you next time.